the biggest difference to me for silver right now versus any of those past time frames is silver and the demand for silver increasing so much. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics as we dig back into our coverage of the silver world. Fortunately, joining me, one of our regular guests on the show, Steve Cope of Silver Viper Minerals, who is out exploring their El Ruby project and has a great body of knowledge about the silver market, which we will dig into today. So, Steve, it's great to see you again and good to see you're enjoying your summer and doing well up there. And how's everything going with you today? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, the summer's been a good time to relax and kind of just rejuvenate here while we're in this market that we're in. And hopefully it turns around moving into the fall and we can get all back to work and doing, you know, what we want to be doing. Well, certainly. And we're recording on Wednesday, August 17th. Price of silver down a bit today, uh, down this week, although after a rally for a couple of weeks prior to that. Well, Steve, I was wondering just to put this into context as we pull up the silver chart. Obviously, people who follow silver on a day to day basis, especially after seeing silver get close to $30 a few times over the past few months and even reaching the 26th level back in March, even at uh, let's call it 1981 right now, still a bit higher than we've seen in that bear market from about 2015 to 2020 when we saw the silver price even as low as $12. Obviously inflation costs are a bit higher, but as someone who's been tracking this for a while, was wondering if you could just compare where we stand now to what the environment was like over those past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, the bear market was, that was a pretty dark time, <laughs> especially towards the latter part of it. And, you know, like in that part there in early in 2020 when it dipped heavily too. But, you know, the middle of that, that 2017, 2015 was really nasty. <laughs> I remember our sector. Um, it's it's not that. I mean, we're in a period of time here, whether you want to call it consolidating or moving. I mean, like you said, with inflation, this this price doesn't work for the producers as much as, you know, some of them will say at $20, they're not making or most aren't making any money. So it it's, and especially with inflation and the costs, you know, creeping up here, for, especially for the, the miners um, over the last you know year or so, but it, it definitely is a price that needs to come up. But I think, you know, like you said, we've seen some consolidating it, Mooch wanting to move up this summer, which is a good sign in a traditional period where, you know, our markets go pretty flat or down through most of the summer. Um, this last week has been a little hiccup, but I mean, I think when you're looking at, or at least from my perspective, when I look at, I try and look at it more on a you know macro scale than trying to panic on a day-to-day -day basis, watching it go up or down, because I think that'll lead to you like ripping out your hair and going crazy. The biggest difference to me for silver right now versus any of those past time frames is silver and the demand for silver increasing so much. You know, with the new uses, you know, history go way back. You were talking about, you know, the primary silver usage besides, you know, stacking and collecting a currency was in, you know, like photography. And then that kind of disappeared. We stopped using it in film. And now all of a sudden with this push, you know, for electric cars, for solar panels, for all these other things that to me, silver, you know, way it is, it's transitioning into more, you know, or, or part industrial metal. And I think that part where people used to always say, okay, yeah, it had some industrial uses, but we're never a, really a driver in the price, you're going to see that drive the price moving forward. You know, as these governments around the world are, you know, say we're going for this green movement, we need electric cars, we need the infrastructure and silver is 
integral in all of that, as well as copper, you know, nickel, cobalt, and, and other base metals. But silver is the cheap conductor. You know, if, ever, if they could use gold, they would use gold, but it's too expensive. So they, you know, they use silver in all those parts and we don't have enough silver. And we certainly don't, you know, based on from my perspective, and what we do, you know, the easy silver deposits have been found there, you know, and they tend to happen close to surface. A lot of those have been found unless you're going to get into countries where politically you never were allowed into, but Mexico is the number one producer of silver in the world. It's been pretty, you know, the easy deposits have been found. You got to get to more remote or start finding those deposits that are undercover. But the way silver forms, you don't really, it's hard to find the deposits undercover. Most of the really good ones happened at surface. So I don't know what we're going to do as far as, you know, it's going to take prices ramping up and you're going to start bringing on projects that are, you know, right now would look terrible, but at $100 silver or whatever the number ends up being, they're going to look really good. And if you're going to, you know, with the demand of silver and the way it's increasing, you're going to need those deposits to come online. And it takes, like you say, a long time to bring deposits online. Yeah, and you actually touched on my next question. I was going to run by you because here a report from Sprott mentioning in addition to the tighter silver supply, Silver grades have been declining for years. Going forward, mining companies will have to invest more in exploration and development to increase or even maintain supply, which, as you pointed out, getting a bit harder in the current environment. And also, you mentioned the government legislation pushing towards green demand. And here, the somewhat ironically named Inflation Reduction Act includes thousands of dollars in tax credits and rebates for electric vehicles solar panels and it's nice we see this the picture of the guy installing some big solar panels right there um which is all going to be uh, another factor it doesn't seem like governments are slowing down in legislating green energy demand which would certainly just add to that pressure you would think yeah and i mean the other side of it with solar panels is that it's hard to recycle the silver out of a lot of these products and so I mean, you talk to a lot of people, they'll say the lifespan of a solar panel can be 10, 15 years. And then it's not like you just kind of fix it. A lot of the times that, that ends up, you know, yes, you can send it off your recycle, but you don't recover the silver or, or you certainly recover a, a small fraction of the silver from it. So you are constantly going to be needing new silver just to replace the existing infrastructure on, you know, from solar or from, you know, and then like you said, the, the infrastructure is going to be needed to support some sort of a world where we ramp up all this electric car, you know, charging stations and, and the grid and providing power. I mean, I look at like a state like California right now, and you look at what's happening with the Colorado river and the Hoover Dam, one of these major sources of power, and you're less than a year away from, you know, that being dried up and toast. So I don't, again, you've got to start bringing in, and like a state like California has been shutting down their nuclear facilities. So where's that power going to come from? to power all these things you've got to spend massive amounts on infrastructure to find you know new ways and you're not going to do it all with solar <laughs> that's just that's not feasible so you can ramp up the solar and that's great for the silver market but you've got to spend a ton of money on infrastructure and again that's just going to drive the needs for all of those you know base metals and silver and you know building up the infrastructure to support all this yeah, and something I don't know that we've talked about before, but is that what drew you towards starting a silver company and going after the the asset you've been, you've been doing? Is that what led led you into that? Part of it. I mean, silver is always versus. I mean, we're I've always been focused on precious metals. I like the ability to have both. I like having a project that has exposure to both 
of those, you know, and if you get base metals, great, that's enough. But, but the main focus being precious metals, uh, but silver, you know, when you get into these bull markets and silver, you know, traditionally even ignoring, you know, what we could have this time with the industrial demand and what that could bring to the price, you know, silver always outperforms gold on the way up and outperforms it, you know, quite shockingly, you just look at the ratio of what it goes, you know, we can be at a, you know, a hundred plus to one on the price and all of a sudden it shrinks to 20 to one or less, you know, it can, and that in itself, just, you know, the gold companies have done well in that same cycle, but the silver companies have outperformed them by five, five to one. So having, having that exposure to silver, when you do get into those, you know, crazy bull markets is there's a lot of money to be made. And so, you know, our project and the name of our company, it's, I thought it was important to include silver in the name of the company and have exposure, but still have exposure to both gold and silver. And, and, and I mean, you can look at the silver, look at the, the silver producers, you know, like a company like Pan American Silver, number two silver producer in the world, 70% of their production is gold. Right. So even when you're marketing to those silver companies, having a project that has that gold upside, because gold, you know, in the down markets, those companies love to have exposure to gold. And then again, the base metals and, and bonus credits. So, you know, I, I think targeting a project certainly that has, you know, economic exposure to both is important. Yeah, and in terms of a lot of the silver coming from lead, zinc, gold miners, what are you seeing there where my understanding is that for the most part, they have their silver, they just sell it at the market, but do you, do you talk with any of those folks? What are you seeing in terms of how much silver you expect? I mean, if we have a slowdown or a recession, which certainly seems possible, that could impact that. Any thoughts on the silver supply that's coming from those byproduct miners? I mean, again, it would take from talking with a lot of those guys for the sil the silver price would have to go up by just a, such an intense amount for it to become, you know, meaningful for them to somehow try to expand just to target that, you know, byproduct. So you don't, you're not expecting here, you know, from those big, you know, porphyry deposits where you get silver as a byproduct, you know, this the band through Chile, Peru. You know, it's just you're not going to ramp up production just to get the silver unless we see some sort of, you know, dramatic increase. And I mean, that that type of increase, I don't know what the number is, but say, you know, $500,000 silver, something crazy for them to really say warrants versus, you know, just the, the amount of tons that those guys move through in those porphyry deposits. And, you know, you've got a good copper market still right now. It's pulled back a bit, but that's still at an attractive price for them. So. And, and zinc and any of those um so i mean i those guys aren't going to ramp up production and make up for the supply difference and again i don't even know how much of a difference you know it really makes when they do ramp up it's it's certainly a big part of our supply but again you know mexico is the number one producer and it's got a couple of those where it's a byproduct but you know mexico's you know kind of your home for those primary silver deposits or ones that are you know close to 50 percent or 60 percent silver um and and this you know 30 percent of the world's production give or take depending you know on a given year what it's doing and and again i think you're looking at the south american countries if anything with you know chile nationalizing mines peru going very far left and potentially nationalizing mines or nothing you know when that happens production in those countries tends to go down it's not good for the world's you know supply it's certainly not good for new projects coming online because they don't have that exploration expertise to bring on new projects so 
across the spectrum there, I would expect with those types of move happening in those countries that you're going to see the supply of silver, copper, everything go down as we move forward year for year, you know, with South America going the way it's going. Uh, and again, I think that just further, you know, makes markets like Mexico, you know, parts of the U.S., if you can get through the legislature, but certainly, you know, areas like Nevada, but even Nevada doesn't have, you know, massive new projects that are ready to come online. You've got some that have got very attractive grades and have done well share price wise, but it's not going to make a big dent on the supply here. You've got a couple in the Golden Triangle, but again, they're small. It's, there's, these are small numbers compared to you know, what we're talking about with the demand going up. And then if you move away from the Western countries and go towards, you know, China and the, you know, the East and Russia and what they can do, well, we're never going to see those ounces. You know, the way this world's going, they're going to, you know, China's infrastructure boom, they're going to keep, they already are, you know, the number one gold producer in the world and the number one buyer of gold. And all of that gets, gets into China and you never see the light of day unless it's going to be used in trade between, you know, them and the, the other BRIC countries. But so where in the West are we going to get all of this product? And would you care to venture a guess of how long does it take before this uh, imbalance really comes to a head? Is I know that's no one knows the exact answer to that question, but based on what you're seeing, is there is that five years out, ten years out, or or what would you say on that? I mean, when it really comes to a head, I don't. I think I think one of the big triggers or that that people wake up to see that the that the stress is really there is when you start to see companies like tesla apple you know those guys and i think i saw you know they just backed one of one company actually but i think they're going to start buying these mines and taking them private and they'll hire guys to run them and that's going to be how they're going to secure and make sure as they realize that this shortage is here and they need to lock in their supply and instead of relying on buying you know the silver from you know a smelter or you know they're going to start sourcing it directly themselves and control their own supply to make sure that they have it for all the products that they're producing and so i you know i just saw the group of billionaires started investing in another company that was i can't remember the name of the company but you know a bunch of those bezos and those guys got together and funded um you know gave somebody like a billion dollars plus or whatever to go and do exploration but you know that's kind of the signs of those guys start doing that i mean and that's them doing it now you know on earth we've seen those guys do that type of stuff with you know the undersea mining that's you know still technologies a long ways away mining in space you read those articles and those guys have found stuff like that but that's that's them just kind of throwing their money around because it sounds cool as opposed to something that's economic when they start doing it you know on earth on the ground in the traditional methods and finding guys to go and i think the company i remember now was i think it was in greenland that they just financed the thing is the glaciers have been receding there that they thought there'd be a huge source of base metals and nickel and that that they could go, go get but i think that's what you're going to see you're going to see those types of companies start to privately buy them and that's going to be a trigger to the market that look they're feeling the crunch of being able to actually acquire this you know product but even those companies, I think, you know, as smart as a lot of those guys running it are, they don't realize how long it takes to bring on that new supply. You know, a lot of them, it's just instant gratification. What do you mean? Here's the money, start producing it, make it for me. And it doesn't work that way, you know, and it's, and a lot of stuff taking longer permitting wise, you know, with the extra environmental pushes in the West, it just, it takes that much longer to bring stuff online to actually get permitted to operate and build a mine and then work through the kinks of the mine to make sure that it matches, you know, your PEAs and your feasibility studies and what you say the mine is going to do. Um, and so, again, I think, 
like you say, you you say when is that going to come to a head? I think it's going to come to a head, you know, a lot sooner, sooner than later. Um, and certainly, I think within the next five years. Yeah, we'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And Steve, perhaps before we wrap up, you could give folks an update on Silver Viper and how things are going there. Yeah, I mean, the projects, you know, right now we're taking a breather on drilling. We've been drilling since, you know, 2018 and we're looking around the rest of the project, really trying to lock down these other targets and understand the system and how all these different areas of the project come together and work. And and actually just saw last week in one of our, you know, regional sampling reports, they think they found one of the feeders um, in the El Molino area on the project. They saw some pretty cool samples where they're seeing these, you know, volcanic glass with quartz veins running through it. And, and it's definitely a sign of a potential feeder. So that's a target, you know, down El Molino, you can see it there on that image that the Southern end of it, that we think we may have found a feeder for that particular source of mineralization. Our main event, you know, and our resource has been focused around the El Ruby area and, you know, the geophysics that we completed, we're doing further work on that and working with that material, but that we're going to be following up and doing some deep drilling, looking for the source of Ruby. Um, and then the geophysics also showed us how the structure kind of shifted to the east as we moved north on it. So that is completely open to expand our the open pit style resource that we, you know, came out with in our maiden resource on the project at Ruby. So we're going to be very active drilling and, you know, working on the project. We want to time it as this market turns, but we're very active in this area. And I think, again, this is a very attractive asset, but you had to, in Mexico, when I said it's been picked over. So in this case, you had to go to an area that traditionally had, you know, the belt that we're in had very poor access. This, you know, particular spot was found by mine finders and was acquired by Pan American, um, they acquired the Dolores mine 100k to the south, but it, the whole product company for 1.5 billion, and this was supposed to be the look like for Dolores. And at Ruby, we found a lot of similarities to Dolores. Um, so again, fingers crossed that we're onto something like that asset, and you know we're going to grow this and grow it to be substantially bigger than it already is. Well, Steve, I appreciate that. And seems like in terms of time-wise, hopefully that will put you in a good spot with all the other supply and demand fundamentals out there. And of course, people can find out more information at silverviperminerals.com. Any questions, you can go to the contact tab. And fortunately, Steve was kind enough to stick around and record an update uh, with a little more detail on what's going on in the project, which is coming your way now. Mm -hmm.